Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. me time to make a cup of tea oh what kind of tea do you like to drink oh well i love so i love just a a weak black normal leaf tea mm-hmm. however i also love peppermint tea mm-hmm. and i love um lemongrass and ginger lemon okay love the lim- just maybe lemon and ginger for me Lemon and ginger is nice too, and with yeah, and mint. However, I also um, have what some people think is a strange habit, which I don't care um, if what they think. <laughs> um, I I'm currently drinking, so I've had my cup of tea, and every cup of tea I drink, I follow by a mug of boiling water. Really? Yeah. So I drink a lot of water in the day. And, and it's very healthy. However, I drink mostly boiled water. So boiling hot water. I love um, it. Well, you know, they say it's good for your digestion. Yeah, that's you know? it. So yeah. that's good. So you have what? Well, you know, I guess I'm the polar opposite because I love ice water. Oh, my God. Right. I love it yeah. cold. And I can drink at room temperature, which is really good for the body because it's much easier yeah. to absorb. Yeah, exactly. So this this hot, um, you know, I don't drink it piping hot, but um, yeah, it's a nice temperature for it to go in my body. And yeah, uh, if you drink icy water, your body's got to work harder to, yeah. to process it. So, but it quenches the thirst like no other. Uh, for me, it doesn't so much. Really? Oh, for me, it sets me to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I love yeah. It. My granddaughters, my granddaughters love the ice water because they've got one of those things in their fridge that you know you can put up to the fridge and the ice comes out. Oh, as the ice maker, yes. The the water and the ice thing, it's very <laughs> fancy. <laughs> but now oh, there's no. I, I, use got, I got one that'll top that. My girlfriend's refrigerator speaks to you. Ooh. Yes, creepy. <laughs> Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains here, right here. This is the spot, boom, in your face. The location where the conversation is pointed and the guests are sharp and the responses are never dull. Today we have Sue Stevenson all the way from Australia. She's going to talk to us about smashing anxiety for parents and for their kids. Let's welcome her to the edge. How are you, Sue? Really well, thank you. Well, I'm so glad to have you here. We were talking about tea in the green room a little bit earlier. I like to get a little outtake. Tell my brains how you show up in the world and exactly what it is that you're doing in the world of parenting and kids. Ah, yes. Well, what I do, I I offer a program that helps parents calm their, confidently calm their anxious kids in 90 days or less. So this what what I'm doing is I'm doing that and I'm working with educators as well so that they learn how to calm anxious kids as well so that kids get to live a life with courage and calm confidence so that they're thriving in this world 
And I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to reduce anxiety in, in anxiety suffering in kids, one million kids. That's my mission. So oh, that is a great ambitious goal. And you know what? You look like you've got the tenacity to hang in there and to do it. But it's yeah. each one, teach one, you know, and parents have to take responsibility, but they need to have learning how to rethink, uh, edit and filter, reframe things. It's different than it was when you and I were growing up. You know, there's a lot of things that look different. So uh, mm -hmm. they have to, again, learn to acculturate and assimilate, even though they are parents. Wouldn't you agree, Sue? Yes, absolutely. So I'm really about empowering the adults in kids' lives first so that they've got the tools to be able to support kids so that then we're empowering the kids as well. So it's a win-win for both. Absolutely. Well, I agree 110%. We'll talk more about it. What my aim is, is I work with the parents. Most of them have an anxious child. So I am empowering the parents so that the child becomes empowered as well. So it's a win-win for both. Okay. So what gives you the pixie dust to empower the entire family? Because really, I'm telling you, because that is a lot of different personalities, a lot of different pain points, yep. uh, a lot of negotiation. You know, and you being the facilitator, where'd you get the pixie dust? Yeah, well, everybody is unique. Every really, single, <laughs> you every single piece. You wouldn't and it's, know it by the the way people act now. They're just so ugly. They all. I know. You well, a lot of people think that they need to be something because they're being told this, that, and the other. So there's a lot of. Uh, imp imposing ideas on how we should live our life and how we should be uh, but the reality of it is we're all incredibly unique and one thing that I've learned throughout my life being having been an anxious child having raised three children two of which were anxious having gone through a huge personal development journey myself, growth journey, having educated myself. So I'm a, I'm, I was a leader in education and also in student wellbeing um, and student management and working with so many different humans. <laughs> I, I have learned that it's not up to the human, the others to adapt to me. It's up to me to adapt to them wow. so that it's so key for us to have the skills and the capability to be able to be behaviorally flexible mm. so that we can adapt to others needs because that increases our connection that's then, when they coined the phrase meet people where they are yeah 100 percent so when kids, if a child is experiencing anxiety, and typically, typically we all experience anxiety from time to time. And anxiety, are you kidding me? <laughs> exactly. So we all, and the thing is, feeling anxious has a purpose. And there are, there it, research does show that anxiety, there are some people, so this is everyone that experiences anxiety. And then there are some people who have an anxious temperament. So they're more, they're more likely to notice um, fear, 
they're on guard a bit more they're right. far more receptive to the what could go wrong yeah yeah so they've got a very active amygdala and there can be a range of different reasons why that is there can be it could be past trauma it could be that they're neurodiverse it could simply be that they have an anxious temperament and that would that is the way they were born it could be a whole bunch of life things yeah I had a question before we <laughs> i used to be a teacher this is gorgeous okay yeah. well good I, because we need the education but i want you to dial back and explain this term that i'm hearing everyone use now neurodiverse please explain mm. that to my brains well, it's simply, well, I love I love this because we're on, on the brain's show. <laughs> um, <laughs> because neurodiverse simply means that you're fitting. I, I'm a little reluctant to use too many labels, to be honest, because I think that we're all beautifully unique the way we are. However, however understanding neurodiversity helps us to understand that not every brain ticks the same way. So neurodiversity simply means that it is, it is, you're slightly, your brain is slightly wired slightly differently to the typical, the general population. So you know, it does. I'm glad you cleared that up for me because I thought it was a person that may have a combination of ADHD. Yeah, it is. With that. Oh, but, but autism, you know, they can be different yeah. places on the spectrum. But that neurodiverse term is an umbrella term for people to have yeah. underlining. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So wait, and the thing is, so wait. Let me let me, let me just because while I'm thinking about this, girl, sixty. I'll be. I forgot it. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm fifty-nine. Right. Oh really? Oh, you look stunning. Uh, okay, so now the neurodiverse part of it would that be categorized? Because again, we don't want to label. But we have to talk in simple language, what people yeah. understand. You know, when we try yeah. to sugarcoat what it is, that's not how, you know, people are talking at the kitchen table. So you yeah. can go ahead and use whatever terms you feel comfortable with, because my brains are expansive. They know that we're not trying to pick on anybody or say anything, yeah. but we want to be clear. Would that fall under a category of mental health? Yes. Mm. Yes. But the thing is, I okay, so if we can take that back a bit, mental health, we all need mental health. If we look at what the word means, mental health is not a problem. Mental health is what we need. We need healthy mental functioning. Right, right. So mental health, it's only mental health is how healthy our state of mental our, our mental state is did you Does hear that, that brains? that that's beautiful that's beautiful and do you know what i like using the term mental wealth mm. because that to me is mental well-being and health right right so and how does a person get from, how does a person get from a to z i mean there's there's a whole lot of stuff in between where do yep. they begin and noticing the signs and symptoms of needing some assistance outside of the norm? You know, and whatever Ooh, that looks like that. to you, Brange, we're, we're not judging. Some people need, uh, you know, 
medication. Other people need talk therapy. Some people find spirituality. You know, there's a whole uh, laundry list of things that can help you raise to the next level. But the first key, the first step is identifying it. Wouldn't you think, Sue? Awareness is absolutely key. So if we can't change something or do something about it, something if we're unaware of it. So awareness is absolute key. If we're unaware, we're just blissfully ignorant. Now, when I say blissfully, some people believe that ignorance is bliss, but it isn't because you're stuck. You're actually stuck here and you're not growing and expanding and you're not getting possibly getting any the help that you need because every human needs help from other humans from time to time because how can we be an expert on everything? So we we all need to um, increase our awareness and be have an expansive mindset so that we're open to other people shining the light on us so that we're aware we're increasing our awareness right. so you are asked... increasing awareness up i'm going to ask you about the box question you know we're smashing anxiety the world is changing parenting uh you know our children now are going non-binary they don't even want to be a male or female uh the the look and dynamic of a family has changed i'm sure from how you and i grew up was traditionally the ethnic backgrounds uh, the cultural diversity, there's a lot going on in the mix in the world right now. Mm. So have you worked with any of these, you know, specialized populations and really try, because that's, that's a niche, but it's really something that's bringing up a lot of anxiety between parents and children. Yeah, look, I am open to working with anybody who is open to improving their life who wants to go from, so people who generally come to me are parents or educators who want to learn more how to help anxious kids. But what I often find is that the adults also experience anxiety and they're struggling too. So what you asked earlier, you asked about, um, you know, what is the one thing? Awareness is key. Yes, it is. The key though, when we're when we're talking about um in living our best possible life is that we must we must empower ourselves first so there's i believe that we've got a, a society that are very good at blaming other people complaining about other people noticing what's going on out there and there's this big diversion away from self mm. and my I'm very passionate about this because that is not empowering us. That is simply uh, handing our power over to external things. Does that make sense? It makes so, sense. So the key is to empower ourselves first. So if we want to learn how to help kids thrive, we have to learn how to empower ourselves first because how can we teach them to do it if we don't know how to do it ourselves? Well, you know, that's going back. And people don't want to, well, they're stuck. They don't want to progress forward. They're afraid and they yeah. want to regress backwards, but you can't do that. Okay, mm -hmm. so we're in this vortex. We're in this, this, this space, a holding space, as I call it. And COVID you know, it really separated the wheat from the straw. People got very anxious. They 
Some people really did a lot of introspective work during COVID. What did all of that teach you, Sue? Oh, well, for me, it highlighted exactly, I don't know that I would categorize people as weak or strong, but I would categorize uh, uh, what I what I did notice was that in COVID, it how you react or, or respond. I'm going to say there's reaction and there's responding. There's reacting and responding. Reacting is when we're just in fear and we're in survival mode and we're we're worrying about everything. So mm-hmm. so we're and we're just keeping our head above water. And there are people in survival mode everywhere. They're on the mouse wheel. They're just just surviving, just getting through, and it's busy, 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 and it's all going on. But there's also surviving as in, you know, oh, my God, everything's going wrong and catastrophizing because we're just... (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Is that a real word, catastrophizing? Well, I made it up years ago, (laughs) and I use it all the time. Can I borrow that? I like that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, go for it. So, so people are, uh, can go into panic, and right. that's just fear based. It's all fear based thinking. So, I talk about fear thinking and clear thinking. So, when we're in fear thinking, we're not thinking rationally, we're blowing things up, we're anxious, we're worrying about what's going to go wrong, and we're very much worried about what other people are telling us, what other people are thinking. And we're we're allowing all of those thoughts to build fear in ourselves and worry. So in COVID, there were people, lots of people were doing that. And is it any wonder? Because the media thrives on telling us everything that's going wrong. Well, you know, good news doesn't sell. No, that's right. It doesn't it doesn't make money. So, you know, they're not going to put on the news that, oh, everyone's had a beautiful day today. The sun was shining. Look at this happy family. You know, no one no one buys into that. So we need to be, I, I often say that we need to be discerning. We need to help our generation, this new generation that is being saturated by external things. We need to help them um, be discerning and know that, that is not life, the whole of life. And that is not, that is somebody's point of view that they are imposing onto us. And we need to be really mindful of that because in COVID, I'm not going to say that it wasn't and isn't a massive problem. It can, it's, you know, there are massive problems everywhere in our world right now. There are massive problems and some people choose to notice some and some people choose to notice others. But you know what it is. And but what I want to do is I want people to be big enough to allow others to disagree with you. hundred percent. So I love that. So many people are, you know, compartmentalized. They don't want to see the forest for the trees, you know, my way or the highway. Well, you know, newsflash. It's not going to be that way. Yeah. And this is why I, you know? Yeah. And this is why I talk about we need to rewrite our blueprint. uh, Sorry. (laughs) Our blueprint. We need to rewrite the blueprint that we've got laid down in how the world works and, and the way we think. So when we can switch the way we're thinking and think, oh, okay. Now, how can I handle this? So it's if we're in reactivity, we're in fear. If we're in response, responding, 
we're stopping, we're breathing, and we're thinking about, okay, well, I'm actually fine right now. I'm good. You know, why are we why are we attaching ourselves to those problems out there? It's not that we're ignoring it, but why take on all that negative energy and and, and well, take you know that why? on? Because it's it's sad, but it's the familiar. Yes, it has become the familiar. It's become the regular. You know, which is which is. And I tell, I was got a little thing going on with the city here, and uh, you know, don't come to me with what you can't do. I know what you can't do. I need a can't do attitude. I need to really pull up on your bootstraps. You know, brush yourself off. Look in the mirror. Have that I am conversation. I'm wonderful. I'm beautiful. I'm powerful. I'm strong. I'm loving. I'm rich. Whatever. Just talk to yourself. And that will change the neuro-linguistic programming in your mind. That will release some of that. And then what happens is, how do you talk to your children? There are parents that swear and there are children that swear at their parents. If my child swore at me, you have to dig me up out the ground. Okay, because uh, uh-uh, I don't tolerate that. So now children communicate a whole different way. They'll be in the living room and they'll text you. All of this has set up boundaries and walls against general interaction. Uh, you know, one-on-one compassion, getting out the fresh air. How are we? How are we bridging that? Because that's a very difficult uh, cycle that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really great that you mentioned that. So there's two, there's two things here. So firstly is we do need to challenge the status quo or what people are telling us the how we're meant to be behaving in the world. And it's okay to have your kids not on devices all the time. And it's okay to have different strategies and to be playing outside and, and spending time in the fresh air and taking care of yourself, loving yourself. That's actually not just okay, it's necessary. So so if we change the way we're thinking and, and we change the way and we start looking here, this is the key again, we're taking care of us. So that's the first thing. The other thing is that it is time that we stopped. I, I use the acronym, um, sorry, I use the um, image of an iceberg. So most humans focus on the tip of the iceberg above the water level because that's what we can see that's what we can see so that's the behavior that we're seeing in people Mm -hmm. so if it's undesirable behavior we comment on it we think we need to stop that we need to stop that we have to address that and and we're focusing on the that the surface it's the external stuff however the behavior is only a very small component that it's what's going on underneath, as you were saying, the neuro-linguistic programming, the, the feelings, how we're feeling about ourselves, what's going on in here, it's what's going on underneath that's actually driving that behaviour. So yeah. we've, got, we've got a whole society who is focusing on the surface behaviour and telling us, oh, you can fix that by doing this, you can fix that by doing this. Uh, we've got parents who punish kids. We've got we've got um, we've got a lot of judgment. We've got uh, in schools. I've had I've got a client whose daughter was suspended for three months so that she would learn her lesson. Well, what a crock of you know what that is because she's not going to learn her lesson because you're not addressing what's underneath. What's actually well, you know what? But let, let, let me share let me share something with you. 
and get your perspective on this. I'm sorry to interrupt. But, um, you know, parents, what has been brought to my attention was that this generation is about 10 years developmentally delayed than what we were in mm-hmm. our upbringing. Again, their responsibility levels, their desires, their wants, you know, they don't want to move out. They want a tiny car. They don't want responsibility. They want to be able to work from their device. It's just a different world. And some sometimes parents in this previous generation overcompensated. I know I got caught up in that. And you give things uh, to your children with your, listen to what I said, brains, your expectation of how they should respond to it, how they should perceive it, how they should manage it and negotiate it. But sometimes you overstep your boundaries. So it's a duality. Parents aren't always right. You have to really kind of, you know, be a little bit more um, cautious now because it's a different, it's a different cycle. Do you agree with me? I agree with you up until the cautious that can be a bit anxious and worried about whether they want to upset their child or challenge their child. So you said earlier about challenging the status quo. I actually think challenging our kids is good as long as we do it respectfully. So I think we need to be a bit uh, um, less cautious in a way because I think many people are worrying about, oh, I can't have him or her feeling unhappy, being unhappy. Well, I can't. and they do. That's a part of life. You have to understand the good, the bad, and indifferent. It's not going to be a bed of roses. Trust me. Yes. There are people, so, they're growing up on a bed of thorns. Yeah. Uh, what you have to do is you have to have balance and structure. I had a guest on my show that believed in unschooling and unruling. Well, that's not me. I see that children want a certain amount of discipline. They have to learn respect. We're not equals. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I talk to you as a, as a human being, not that goo goo gaga. My child came to me at uh, four and five years old, asked me about sex. I explained it at her level. You yeah. know, I had uh, all kinds of stuff. So parents have to still be parents. Sometimes they get confused and want to be a friend. They're too soft. Can I can I share? Because I I agree with I agree with what you're saying to a to a degree. I believe that there is too much focus on correction and instead of connection. Now the thing is, parents who connect really well and have a wonderful relationship with their kids are able to set limits and boundaries much more easily. Parents who function from fear and control and correction have far uh, less results and their children are anxious because they're being controlled by their parents. So parents have a huge responsibility and must live up to their role of being responsible for their children and they do have a job to guide their children so that they can thrive and live their best possible lives that is a very important job right however what many parents are doing is they're doing what i describe as over helping mm-hmm. or yeah. they so so i believe that there is helpful help and unhelpful help 
But it's a, again, it's a, a delicate act because you don't know until you know. Hundred percent. Which is it. why I'm here because I'm here to help parents tune into kids so that they know so that they're behaviorally flexible and they can adapt to what their child needs and do it with confidence and responsibility. So some children might need a hug right now. Some children might need space right now. Some children might need some strength and certainty. Some people might need love and softness. We need to be able to tune into our children and what they need so that they can then move through whatever's going on and start thriving again. So this is about and so this I is about empowering. Yeah, we need to empower the parents so that they can empower their children. If we keep protecting them, because that's fear and control. So there's fear and control that's you know the ugly, controlling, powerful, aggressive, or assertive, like really you know dominating. That starts back with the 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 parents how they were brought up. I don't think they just did that. It's epigenetic. It's generational. Yes. And so once yeah. they realize that, they can definitely break the cycle. You have been a wealth of information, Sue. I mean, we could talk for hours about this. You're doing some amazing work. Tell my brains about any current offerings that you may have and how to get in contact with you. Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll give you the details, April. So um, I off, I'm, I'd love to offer anyone a, a free clarity call. So that's a 45-minute call that they can have with me. Um, and and what I'll do is if they've got any any questions or issues around parenting or educating kids, I, I, I can help them unpack what the challenges they're facing and, and support them and give them a really clear plan as to what they need to do to change things. Um, and I also have a masterclass coming up in November, on November the 15th. It's a free masterclass. And uh, it's on how to stop anxiety ruling your child's life. <clears throat> so that's on November the 15th. So I'll give you the details there. Now it is in Australia. <clears throat> However, if you've got uh, people watching from your, your side of the world, um, they simply need to contact me and I can send them a recording of that masterclass. Um, and, and I've got a so Facebook it, group. Well, is it available on Zoom? Yeah, it's on Zoom. Okay. But if it's just that the timing, it could be that some people are asleep while we've got this going on. Okay. Yeah, so that's all I'm saying. So okay. it's seven thirty in the evening in Australia where I live. So because uh, right now it's seven thirty AM for me. <laughs> oh right. It's oh, it's actually no, it's eight eleven AM. Eight eleven AM tomorrow. So Brain, she's in our future. <laughs> And we're, yeah, look <laughs> we're here together on the edge, the place where the conversation is pointed. The guests are sharp and the responses are never dull. Thank you so much for being here with me, Sue. You are the absolute best. Brains, thank you. It takes a lot of work. Your kids didn't ask to come. Least you can do is be kind to them and be patient, yeah. but also be gentle with yourself. Thank you, yeah. Sue. Love it. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye, brains.